Welcome to the Hydric and Struggles Leadership Podcast. Hydric is the premier global provider of senior level executive search and leadership consulting services. Diversity and inclusion, leading through tumultuous times, and building thriving teams and organizations are among the core issues we talk with leaders about every day, including in our podcasts. Thank you for joining the conversation. Hi, I'm Victoria Reese, partner at Hydric and Struggles and the global managing partner of the general counsel practice and the head of the corporate officers practice. In today's podcast, I'm talking to Kathy Card Beckles, Chief Legal Officer and Corporate Secretary at Veris, an American multinational data analytics and technology firm serving the global insurance industry. Prior to Verisk, Kathy served as the General Counsel for Consumer Banking and Shared Services at J.P. Morgan Chase. Prior to that, she was the General Counsel for the company's card services team. And prior to that, she served as Chief Intellectual Property IP Counsel. Kathy, thank you for joining us today. You're so welcome. Thank you for inviting me. Really appreciate this. Our pleasure. You stepped into your chief legal officer role at Verisk in April 2021, right in the middle of remote and hybrid work environments. What leadership skills and experiences have you found to be essential or have you leveraged to navigate this new role and leading your team? It was definitely very interesting stepping into a new role and having to meet everybody electronically or virtually. Our offices really weren't open yet when I first started. But I quickly realized that understanding who your team was and giving them a sense of community was key to leading in a then virtual and, and even now a hybrid environment. One of the tactics, and this might be a little counterintuitive, one of the tactics was we had more meetings than we normally had. Now, they weren't the kind of day long, everyone sit around and, and stare at the screen meetings. We had a lot more shorter touch bases. And when we were trying to be intentional about connecting, we were. So more shorter meetings, a lot more touch bases with people, free-flowing communication. I think that was one of the tactics that made a huge difference starting in a remote and a hybrid environment. The other thing was, is there are lots of things that you take for granted when you meet in person. So being intentional about what you're trying to convey and communicate is really important when you're hybrid. So if you're going to have that mentoring moment, you have to be intentional about having a mentoring moment. If you're trying to build community, you have to be intentional about putting together programming to actually build community. You can't just rely on running into people in the hallway or in the elevator to do all those things for you. And honestly, I think we found that people enjoyed that a lot more. So that was definitely a benefit to having that kind of structure there. A few months ago, we released a survey report on the changing leadership style of today's general counsel. The biggest shift we noted was an increase in the collaborative leadership style which is defined as being empathetic, team building, talent spotting, and coaching oriented. What's your reaction to this? I think it's spot on. It really is. You know, recently my team and I, we had an exercise where we asked each other, what's the best team you've been on? What are the things that really make those teams stand out in your mind? And for my team, the funny thing was, is the answer came back as places where they were inspired, places where they had an opportunity to work really hard together, and places where they were able to form relationships with people. So we have a kind of shorthand is for our team, we focus on inspiration, perspiration, and relations in order to move forward. But if you look at the message that a lot of GCs have been having over the last few years, which is to do more with less, 
that coupled with a really robust job market and the impacts of the pandemic have had people questioning what their why is to come to work. So as they're doing that, being that empathetic leader, being the person who is the team builder becomes critical in order for you to get kind of an exponential experience and performance from your team members. You find yourself being in the place where you are providing that inspiration, where you are the remover of obstacles in order for your team to get the tremendous amount of work that they have to get done. And if you're not understanding the empathy portion, everyone is coming to the table with different reasons and those reasons are changing. Everyone's got a different skill set, experience, and we have to look out for different kinds of feedback. And, and having a strong sense of empathy is what's going to help you to be successful in that place. Kathy, Veris was not just a new organization for you. This was your first public company CLO role. And it also involves switching industries after spending 15 years in financial services. Are there any surprises? What are the lessons learned you've experienced moving into a public company general counsel role? Well, I have to say one of the happy surprises was how much people reached out to help me, whether that was other general counsel, whether that was people at my new job, whether it was a lot of outside counsel. Everyone did reach out to help to make sure that I was prepared and ready for the challenges of the new role. So that network, which gets stronger every day, really did come as a critical part to my transition. And I'm forever grateful for the people who reached out and provided some help to me there. On that same theme, do you have any advice you would give leaders who may be considering a cross-industry move or may be hesitant to do it? I might be slightly biased, but I would tell your clients that they should really consider a pretty wide range of folks if they're looking for a public company role. Look, the public company aspect of a company is an incredible responsibility, but you can break it into a couple of pieces. The key technical bits, you can definitely learn, whether it's using outside counsel or being trained or having good support teams. It is definitely something that is learnable. It's a set of rules that are learnable and lawyers as a, a general rule are really good at learning rules. So all of those things are definitely learnable. The bigger piece in my thought is that the real impact of what you do day to day has to do everything with the decisions that you make, with the strategy you help to set, with the way that you work with the senior team, the way that you execute. And those are the key things that are going to make the impact on being a CLO. And honestly, those things are the very types of things you learn when you're a divisional GC or a division head or something that maybe not be a public company CLO. So from my perspective, I think people should have a very wide set of people who they go after and not just stay with public company GCs because there's so much you can learn. There's so many people that can bring a wealth of experiences to your office. The other thing I will say is... When you're looking to either go cross industry, whether you're looking to go from maybe private to public or divisional to public, from an internal perspective, you got to be willing to read and learn. If you think your learning days are behind you, doing a big jump is probably not the thing that you want to do. But honestly, reading and learning is a huge competency of being a good CLO. So the people who are looking to do this are likely strong in this perspective anyway. And it may seem like the learning might be exhausting or tiring, but it actually gives you energy because it allows you to connect dots in ways that you may not have been able to connect them before. Switching industries, switching companies, you know, it can be a humbling experience, especially when you're used to relying on a long tenured subject matter or institutional experience. 
but it actually is a good place because it requires you to ask really good questions. Now, that's a good skill to tap into. It forces you to slow down and really take time to truly understand what the issues are. And those are all, again, core competencies of being a good CLO. You have to get to know people. You can't rely on your network. Well, my network definitely helped me. I couldn't just say, oh, I know everybody in this space. It really does put some energy and initiative on you to get to know people and to get to know different organizations and different ways of working in a very different way. And honestly, that can be a huge benefit to the company that you're working for because you're able to bring perspectives and mindsets and ways of working from other industries into yours. And some of that stuff, you know, you'll find in other industries or trying to solve the problem, you might be able to bring something to bear that no one else has because you're thinking about it from a different industry perspective. And then lastly, I think one of the biggest benefits to transferring over is you learn a lot by analogy. You'll say, well, I know this process and this new process is a lot like this process with these different exceptions. And while you're in the process and the exercise of doing those analogies, you can find that you might be able to connect dots that others haven't been able to connect as readily. So overall, while there's a lot of reading, which is actually a good thing, a lot of learning, which is an even better thing, I think the experience of going across industry and different companies has been tremendous and has made me a better CLO altogether. Can I tell you a story? My story that I'll tell you uh, in terms of where you get the courage, some of the best career advice I ever got was from my then nine-year-old daughter. And in their school, they have this jungle gym in their playground. And at a certain point, you get to be about eight or nine years old and you get brave enough to climb on top of the jungle gym and jump off from the top rung all the way down to the ground. It's a rite of passage for every kind of third or fourth year that happens. And the day that it was my daughter's turn to go ahead and do this, she gets up to the top and she's telling me what's happening. She's like, oh, mom, I jumped off the space ball. That's what they called it. I jumped off the space ball today. So I'm like, oh, were you excited? And she says, yeah, I got to the top. And even though I had watched other people do it, I was really kind of scared and nervous. And, and what's do? I'm like, so what did you do? She's like, well, I know I've jumped off of different things before and I landed okay. So I figured this was just something similar to that. So I jumped off and I hit the ground and I, you know, fell a little bit, but other than that, I was okay. I said, oh, wow, what did you do next? And she says, well, mom, I just climbed back up and I did it again. Because once you jump off the top of the space ball once, it's a lot less scary every time you do it after that. Yeah. What I learned from that was once you get in the habit of learning how to take a risk and mm-hmm. you build off of the fact that you probably can identify other times when you've taken risks in similar situations and you learn how to land, you know, jumping off the space ball gets a little easier every time you do it. So that and I, I will also give it a little bit of attribution to my engineering training. Probably one of the first or second classes that you have like as a true engineer, you learn how to draw a system and you realize that a system is all where you draw the box. It can be as small as an intermolecular interaction or it can be as big as the world. And you can describe everything in life by something goes in to a box Something happens inside the box and then something comes outside the box. That is literally how all engineers look at the world. So once you have that, you know, it's just about, okay, fine. Where am I drawing the box? I don't really care what's inside the box right now. What's inside the box is important, but the skills and the analytical tools you bring to it are the same. Kathy, I wish I had more stories like yours. I want to touch on your deep experience in intellectual property management and litigation. With the shift from hard assets to knowledge assets in many industries, 
I would imagine it is making IP expertise very important as companies' IP becomes a larger asset for them. Do you think having that experience has helped you progress in your career? And how so? Absolutely. Being an IP attorney, starting off my legal career as an IP attorney has definitely helped. I still view myself as an engineer. I have a background in chemical engineering. Shout out to any Blue Hen engineers who are out there from the University of Delaware. And one of the things that we learned there was the focus was on how do you solve a problem? In my engineering training, you know, I learned how to solve problems using chemicals and statistical software. And a lot of what I do now is you solve problems with words and systems, but the impetus to solve problems is still there. Being specific to a patent attorney, one of the things that you have to learn to be very good as a patent attorney is you have to learn how to jump into a situation at a particularly sensitive time. You may not know a whole lot about the background of something. You have to get up to speed very, very quickly with people who have been deeply involved for a really long time with that particular project. And you have to do that in such a way that not only can you understand it, understand their viewpoint, but you have to be able to articulate it enough to convince someone else, in this instance, the patent office or a judge, to see your point of view and to do that pretty quickly. That skill, that critical ability to kind of jump in, understand what's happening, and being able to translate that for others who may not be as steeped substantively is incredibly helpful, both as a CLO, but also as we look at the heavy technology focus that most of our assets have taken. So yes, being an IP attorney was really helpful. Kathy, you're also a board member of NASDAQ Exchange. How would you say your non-executive director role has influenced you to be a more forward-thinking chief legal officer and vice versa? How has being a sitting general counsel chief legal officer influenced your perspective as a board member? I think the benefit definitely goes both ways. I also look after the corporate secretarial role here at Verisk. And it's really great to be able to see other examples of how people discharge that role. So right away, you're just getting a just in the day-to-day blocking and tackling of that role, you're getting to see, oh, here's how this person does it. Here's what they do. Here's how they get information out. So that's always a benefit to see on both sides. From a CLO perspective, the information that we see, it provides a really good check. You say, well, am I getting all the risk issues? I know we were talking about these particular risks that are coming up on the NASDAQ board. Am I addressing these? How seriously are other people taking them? I think it really does do a lot from a CLO perspective to broaden your perspective and your horizon with regard to not just legal risk, but all risks. From a, how does it make me a more effective board member? I, I think, you know, having been in those situations before, you know how to ask the right question. I think in some instances, my questions can be a little bit more finely crafted. I can ask different things that maybe someone else wouldn't think to ask around maybe staffing or push a legal point. And you do it out loud so the rest of the board can hear you and maybe even prompt them to ask additional questions. So overall, I think it's been a great benefit to both my role as CLO and corporate secretary. And hopefully that experience that I have and I bring to the board has been additionally helpful to the board as well. Kathy, looking ahead, which specific leadership skill sets and capabilities will be most important for your company to meet its strategic goals? I think three, if I had to pick a few key leadership skill sets are going to be one, caring. You know, we talked a little bit before about the changing ways of leaders and the empathy that you need and kind of like this team building aspect. I think people need to feel 
like you care, particularly in a post-pandemic or at least a currently endemic world. The other skill set I think you need is innovation. And this is not just innovation from products and services perspective, but innovating on your leadership skills. Everyone should be constantly learning and being forward-looking. We want to be able to look forward and learn from what we have done and not just remember, oh, here's what we did and here's what we did. It's much more about applying what we've done so far. So we want to be a learning organization and not so much a remembering organization. And in no circumstances do we want to be a forgetting organization. And lastly, you can care all you want. You can be as innovative as you want. But if there's not a high capability to execute, it puts everything else at jeopardy, it puts everything else at risk. So at the end of the day, still being able to execute and to get things done in a timely manner are the critical things and the critical skills that you need to move forward and to meet your strategic goals. Well, Kathy, I certainly learned a lot from you today, as I always do. And obviously, I love your story. So thank you for telling it to us today. And most importantly, thank you for taking the time to speak with us. Oh, absolutely. Anytime, Victoria. And I want to thank you for all the help you've provided. You are one of those people who jumped up uh, and helped me as I transitioned. So uh, so when I mentioned that was a happy surprise, hopefully you felt the love there too. Kathy, thank you again. It was my pleasure to help you. And I know you had many people who were very, very happy to step forward to help you as well. Thanks for listening to the Hydrogen Struggles Leadership Podcast. To make sure you don't miss more future shaping ideas and conversations, please subscribe to our channel on the podcast app. And if you're listening via LinkedIn, Twitter or YouTube, why not share this with your connections? Until next time.